Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My murder forums. Subforum, Evie McCreary. Subject, Krista Reynold. Use a lion song. Did you guys know that there's another active missing persons case in the Nanine area? A little girl named Krista Reynolds went missing in 2005, about three hours from the McCreary home. Use a waffle toid. Three hours? Casting the net a little wide, aren't you? Use a lion song. Dudes, this is Outback Australia. A three-hour drive is like four houses away. Alana Reynolds was the only 20-something woman inside the coffee shop, but Lane thought he could have picked her out even in a crowd of them. She looked uncannily like the photograph of Krista that he had tucked inside the manila folder in his hands. Her hair was neater, straightened to fit an angular bob that framed the same sharp chin and large brown eyes. On Alana, the wider part eyes were striking, almost fey, enhanced by precisely applied makeup. She had grown into it. He hoped Krista had too. Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Shelley Burr's day job is in the field of waste policy and she's studying agriculture with a focus on soil science. But today I'm talking to Shelley Burr, the author, about her award-winning debut novel, Wake. Shelley Burr, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Wake won the 2019 CWA Debut Dagger Award and has been shortlisted for numerous others. How does it feel to be the newest drought noir talent after so many accolades for your very first novel? It feels unreal that I was the winner of that award. Um, It was a complete shock to me on the day when it was my name that came out. I wasn't in attendance at the awards dinner, which um, in hindsight, I wish that I had gone, but it was held in the UK. And so it felt like a very long way to travel when I was entirely sure that I was going to watch someone else win. So um, I actually found out on Twitter the morning of, and then just had this surreal day where I got on the bus and I went to work and I wrote a report about meat exports, whereas in the back of my mind, it's just like buzzing away that everything is about to change. That's a, a wonderful outcome for you. If we can talk for a moment about Drought Noir, what is the essence of Drought Noir for you? And did you ever set out to write within the confines of that genre? I didn't set out to write Drought Noir. I set out to write this story and I wasn't even 100% sure when I started it whether it was going to be crime fiction in the traditional sense of um, a core mystery that gets solved or if it would be more of a character drama um, about Mina's experiences. And it was really in the course of writing it that it firmed up that it was the right direction to go. I didn't know the term drought noir when I started to write this. So I didn't set out to say, yes, I would like to write in this genre. I attended an amazing course through the ACT Writers Centre called Hard Copy, which is a year-long manuscript development program. Um, Unfortunately, it doesn't run anymore because it lost the funding, but that was an amazing experience. And it was actually there that I heard the term for the first time, drought noir, and I was sitting in the audience and I was like, wait a second, that sounds like what I'm writing. You mentioned the character Mina, but for me, the central character is Lane Holland. Lane Holland doesn't seem to have the standard of fictions we associate with classic crime fiction. 
doesn't really seem to drink or smoke. He doesn't seem to harbour tendencies to extreme violence. So what's wrong with Lane Holland? Lane Holland and Mina are both extremely traumatised characters. And I think that we're quite used to seeing books and movies where trauma is represented through um, alcohol addiction or drug problems or um, other kinds of self-harm behaviour. But those aren't the only ways that trauma can manifest. A lot of the characters in the book have different trauma reactions, like there's the traditional, there's the fight, the flight. But there's also um, considered to be two more, which, well, there's fight, flight, flee, tend and befriend. And I think that everybody in the book picks and chooses from all of those different types of reactions at different times. But Lane is a person who has leaned very deeply into tend. He has this younger sister that he is the guardian of, and he has really formed an identity around feeling an obligation towards this sister and her defence and her protection to a point where he almost forgets himself as a person. And it leads to him making some quite irrational decisions at times. That's a really great insight. I also get the sense with Lane that unlike Mina, who's grown up in the town of Nanine, but I get the sense that Lane doesn't really belong in that landscape. He's very much the outsider in the town that Wake is set. That was always the intention. Um, and Mina fits very intensely into her life. And she set a life up that's perhaps not ideal and it's perhaps not even healthy but she is content with it to continue that way. And so Lane's role in the narrative is really to knock her off course and push her out of that comfortable space that she's jammed herself into. So he is very much an outsider and he is a person who doesn't necessarily view anywhere as home. He's always been a very mobile character. He's always, if anything, like the roads are where he's most comfortable with. He's always travelled around. He's always been in motion so he comes into this space where people have been very, I don't want to use the word stuck, but where people are very rooted to their location where, you know, they may go back generations. They feel very strongly connected to the town that they live in. In some ways they're oblivious to um, the fact that there is a far longer history of this town or this space and this part of the country that existed long before um, the town itself did. But um, that's really quite foreign to him to feel that connection. One really obvious characteristic of Wake is that it's not your standard shoot them up, knock them down kind of thriller. It's much more cerebral. What's the connection between, I guess, those internal machinations that uh, go on in the minds of your characters with the Australian landscape that we might traditionally associate with this thing we're talking about, drought noir? What's the connection between those two? Yeah, it's certainly not um, necessarily a book with a lot of on-screen violence. There's a lot left to the imagination. It's certainly not a book where violence is absent. I think in terms of drought noir, there is potential here that there's two subgenres emerging in that there are two different things that people can take away from it. The, the isolation in drought noir is such a fascinating idea. Um, it allows for a certain level of lawlessness to be present because these towns are often hugely under-resourced in terms of police presence. Characters can get away with things that would never be possible in a more urban setting where there's layers upon layers of 
process and bureaucracy that goes into every step of an investigation. And like to lean more heavily on the noir part of drought noir is that in its definition, noir is a mystery solved by a character who exists outside of that traditional system. That's what separates noir from a police procedural, which is um, a mystery with an investigator that works within the system. There's always going to be overlaps. Um, Dervla McTiernan, for example, she writes procedural noir, and I don't know that anybody else could pull that off, but um, it certainly can be done, as she demonstrates. My fascination was with that isolation and the way that it complicates everything. When I was growing up, my grandparents, they had a, a small farm in, not in Glen Rowan, outside of Glen Rowan. Glen Rowan was going to town. And this even wasn't as isolated as some farms in Australia are. Like there are families out there that own their own helicopter because that's the only way to get around their properties. And it just complicates everything and makes it just that little bit more dangerous that you have to think ahead of what resources am I going to use between now and the next trip to town? What's coming out of the garden? What's in the water tank? When's it going to rain next? Or, you know, when can we reasonably expect it to rain next? And how are we going to use that water in that time? Or, you know, when something does go wrong, as it quite often does in the book, you just can't call on help in the way that you could in suburbia or in a city. The only emergency medical service is the Royal Flying Doctor Service. You can't just jump in the car and drive someone to the emergency room. You can't call an ambulance. You can't even call a tow truck. And it also makes that, that puzzle element more complex. I think crime fiction has always been, in a way, about isolation. Um, if you look at the traditional golden age mysteries of people in a country house for a weekend, where you've got this very limited set of characters that it could be responsible. And even though Drought Noir is almost the exact opposite of that, it's still got the same element of you've got a very limited cast of characters, they live within the town, but there's still this line drawn around them that it is probably one of these people. And there's that element of a small town with a secret, which instantly divides people. You've got people who hear that phrase and they're out. They don't want to know anymore. And that's fine because I'm writing for the other group of people who hear that and they're like, yes, tell me more. I think that's a fascinating element. Wake is also marked by a kind of a shadow, if I can call it a presence of characters who are no longer there or never were there in the action. For example, Minna's deceased mother, her friend Alana's meth-addicted mother, Lane Holland's jailed father, and, of course, the two missing girls, and the grief over their disappearance. These are all kind of ominous and dark histories hanging over your characters. Is Wake about what happens in the minds of people under stress, undergoing trauma? I think that's certainly a good way to describe it. It's a story about the picture that's created by negative spaces, there are so many absences in the book that influence the behaviour and the decisions and the interiority of all of the characters. And that was like to talk about Beverly, for example, a character who um, I believe the only time she actually appears on the page is in a flashback. Other than that, she is only seen through the eyes of other characters and through the descriptions of other characters. 
And that was a really fun thing to do as an author because Beverly that we see differs quite substantially depending on who's talking about her. Like Mina has a very strong view of her. Alana has a very strong view that's very different. Um, Liam has his own perception. Even Lane has come to, through reading her book um, throughout his life, has come to a sort of parasocial relationship with Beverly and has his own view. And that was a really fascinating thing to play with. Another really interesting presence in Wake, and this relates to the title as well, it's the online presence, the most prominent being, I guess, the My Murder Forum, a kind of chat room for outsiders following the case, or mostly outsiders, that's not always clear. While it's not a threatening presence, it's still a little disturbing. Is this a case of reality and cyberspace playing off against each other? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think contrasting that constant watchful presence with the isolation of the action was always really interesting. Like, I refer to the forums as the Greek chorus, always trying to position the forum posts in a way that played off interestingly with what either the reader has just read or what they're about to read. And the forum posts were the very, very genesis of the novel. Like, the very first spark came from those because I fell into a period where I was reading those sorts of forums in real life. Like I had one of those brief fascinations about two weeks of reading everything I could get my hands on in these sorts of forums. And then I read one exchange that put everything into a new light for me and made me very uncomfortable about what I've been doing and what I've been reading in that it was a conversation about a real case where people were discussing the, the still living brother of a murder victim Essentially, they were trying to dox him or to find as much as they could in the publicly available information. And they were talking about how hard it was. And I could see from reading that clearly he knows that these people are out here doing this. And that's why he's so unavailable online. They were saying, oh, you know, he doesn't really have any social media. He doesn't have an Instagram. He doesn't have a Facebook. He does have a LinkedIn so I can see where he works and, you know, where he works has quite an open social media presence. So I walked through those and I was looking through photographs and, and so I just had this moment of sitting there thinking, if that was me, if I'd had this terrible tragedy and now suddenly I'm famous or infamous in the sense that people I've never met are fascinated by me to the point of trying to research me online, I would be so enraged. I'm quite protective of my privacy, which is, you know, Suddenly I'm finding myself in a strange position um, having to discuss a lot of things so publicly, which, you know, is also played interestingly. But there are certain aspects of my life that I'm very, very private about. And the idea of having people trying to dig into those is terrifying to me. And that really sparked the character of Mina and everything in the book came from there. And it's from these forums, the My Murder forums, that the book takes its title. The word wake can have several different meanings. What does the title of your book tell us about the story? Within the forums, there is an acronym used, and it's a true acronym, W-A-K-E, Wednesday Adams Killed Evelyn. That's taken from a thing that people do in real life, which is that in these forums, they'll give cutesy names to different factions depending on what you believe happened. In the world of these forums, Wednesday Adams is a nickname that the users use for the main character of Mina McCreary because she, uh, you know, she's dark haired, dark eyed. She rather strongly resembled Christina Ricci's character from the Adams Family movies that were coming out at the time. 
And so it did form this, this little initialism, um, wake, which is used throughout the foreign posts to indicate that you are on the side that believes that Mina, then a nine-year-old girl, had some responsibility for what happened to Evelyn, which um, seems absurd, but there are people who believe that there are unsolved cases, real-world cases, where that is the most likely explanation, that a minor sibling is the murderer. I really love the title because... Wake is a word that has multiple meanings. Awake is a party that's often held to celebrate the life of someone who's passed. The wake of a vehicle, the wake of a boat, the, the wake of a tragic event, but also, you know, wake up, both in the sense of literally waking up, which, you know, there's a lot of turning points within the book triggered by someone being woken, but also a more figurative waking up to you know hidden information or even information that you've been hiding from yourself and so it just kind of tickles me that all of the definitions of the word wake are applicable it's a great title and i've just got one last question for you your day job is in waste policy in canberra and you are studying agriculture with the focus on soil science what does expertise in soil science bring to the writing of crime fiction the study of this kind of science does tap into the same part of my brain that really loves crime fiction. Like one of the things that you learn from an agriculture course is how to read a landscape, how to look around and pick up information and see, all right, if this kind of plant is growing here, then what does that tell us about how this land has been used over the last 10, 20, 50 years? You can look at soil and have a fairly good idea of what kind of rocks you're likely to find if you dig down, what the, the climate is, how often it rains here. One of our lecturers said that by the end of the course, he thinks that he could pick up one of his students and drop them anywhere in the world, and you know, not just in Australia, but anywhere in the world, and they could look at the landscape and start providing information. And like for drought noir in particular, the, it ties in because, you know, that same science crosses over into things like the signs of a clandestine burial, soil disturbances, plant disturbances, picking up on what doesn't fit within the reading of a landscape. And I definitely think that that sort of thing will crop up again and again in my future works. Sounds like a, an incredibly useful skill for a, a writer of crime fiction. Shelley Burr, thank you so much for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you. It was lovely to be here. I've been talking to Shelley Burr about her new book, Wake. It's published by Hachette, and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.